we were playing uh, i think hyderabad uh, in, in the that tournament in vijayawada vvs lakshman uh, who later on became a legend was part of the team and i used to be a off spinner for kerala uh, getting vvs out i believe uh, probably in the mid wicket position uh, when he had scored 153 what seems to be those things what you're doing which is kind of helping you in your mental health problems or situations also have this tendency to solve by itself without you doing much uh, i think being a sports person helps you withstand uh, the difficulties the challenges the hardships uh, when you go through that process i mean some of the stadiums that were around in eton is as good as worn out dilapidated stadiums that you could see anywhere the rest of the world but there are so many other people out there training enjoying their runs Uh, so there's a community feeling out there where people are ready to help each other even the top indian five marathon runners wouldn't be training together yeah whereas you have the nn running team or some of the world's best training day in and day out together it's a boring life it's the same template yeah, yeah. you got to get up in the morning do the same things go yeah, back yeah, early yeah. in the bed but you are happy with it in any activity uh, what i felt was uh, as age progresses it's going to be very difficult to unlearn and then learn new things but sometimes it's worth and you need patience as somebody saying the expectation is the root cause of misery in life so <laughs> if you can nail that out you're perhaps uh, yeah. you're the most sorted yeah. person hi welcome to the other side i'm your host dilip an entrepreneur and an endurance athlete in this podcast we will explore the experiences of high performing individuals while unpacking their mental and physical fitness routines that took them to where they are hi welcome to another new episode of the podcast today's guest is vijay raghavan venugopal vijay is the co-founder and ceo of fastenap one of india's largest and fastest growing nutrition brand Now Vijay has a very fascinating background. He's been a corporate executive for many years and now an entrepreneur. But what's most interesting about him is he's perhaps one of India's fastest running CEOs. We are going to unpack that part also how being a father and entrepreneur it takes time to train at a very sub elite level. So there's lot to unpack today. I hope you have fun listening and watching. Let's get into the podcast. So this podcast is supported by the good folks at Rain Matter. Rain Matter Health is an initiative to invest in founders and entrepreneurs who are creating health and fitness startups. If you are one of those founders and you want some kind of support, be that investment or beyond, reach out to Rain Matter. You can web, you can go to the website rainmatter.com and you'll find more details. Okay, so before we get to the podcast, I have a request Uh, there's a lot of work which goes into get this podcast to you, and I I get a lot of feedback from many people that has been useful to them. So, thank you for everyone who has reached out to me and given me their feedback. It would mean a lot to me if you can subscribe to this podcast in whichever channel or podcast platforms you are watching or listening. If it's on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple, please subscribe to the channel. Send me your feedback that helps me improve and get better to the next podcast. You can reach out to me on email, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, or just send me a comment on this YouTube, and I would reply back to you. Thank you very much. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Let's get to the podcast. So Vijay, um, born and brought up in Kerala, uh, and uh, in I mean, considering your age, I know you're in your between the forty-five, fifty age category. So the seventies and eighties kids. 
uh, sports doesn't was not a common affair, right? Most of the parents would say go to uh, studies and academics and tuitions. And you've had a very outlyish kind of an uh, upbringing. Uh, you were very good in sports. You're as well good in academics. I want you to talk about how that uh, exposure to sports uh, has stemmed who you are today, both mm -hmm. professionally and personally. And do you think uh, that involvement of sports really anchored to who you are today? This is interesting, Dilip, uh, because uh, I mean, we grew up in the 80s, in fact. Uh, 80s was when um, I think I spent a lot of time at school. And luckily, being from Kerala, I mean, those days, Kerala was used to be a, a powerhouse of sports and athletics. I still remember uh, the P.T. Usha, the Shiny Wilsons, and uh, and early 90s, I think we, uh, Kerala won the Santosh Trophy, and the whole state had a holiday and whatnot, right? The only thing that uh, Kerala lacked at that point of time was cricket. Uh, but uh, so, in, in fact, the whole ecosystem, whole, whole environment in Kerala, helped uh, anybody who is living there at that point of time uh, inculcate sports into their um, livelihood. Added to that, there are two other facts. One, um, having a supportive uh, uh, I mean, parents, uh, even those days, who uh, knew uh, sports can be helpful. And two, the school that you studied in. So I think these two were instrumental in uh, me uh, being part of sports, apart from the fact that once you tend to get into sports, you know, you 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 you, uh, you do something good and you get on with it, right? Uh, so that has been a mainstay for me right from uh, school into college and even beyond that. Uh, and I think more often than not, it has made me more rounded, uh, more competitive in, in my own way, uh, more, uh, I would say, stick to the principles, stick to hard work, stick to discipline in life, which has all rubbed off even when you start working professionally. And I think uh, late in the life, I mean, late in my career, I mean, I started a little bit of entrepreneurial journey uh, a little late in the 40s. Uh, I think being a sports person helps you withstand uh, the difficulties, the challenges, the hardships uh, when you go through that process. So all in all, I think uh, sports, I think, uh, is very integral and uh, you have to relive that journey. Probably I would uh, put more precedence to sports than even academics. Wow. Uh, so in your case, uh, you know, it, it, uh, my curiosity um, went a little ahead when I read that um, sport was not just one sport. I mean, it was just not one sport activity. You pretty much had your hands and legs into multiple sports, right? Uh, uh, you were into football as well, uh, a bit of track and field, uh, badminton, basketball. Uh, at what point did you realize that uh, you were good at sports? Uh, and I want you to talk about your stint uh, where you also went to state and national level mm -hmm. cricket team, right? So what was that point when you realized that you're really good at sport and uh, what perhaps made you, you know, not pursue it professionally maybe? Uh, so I think in the, in the during school, fourth or fifth is when you start dabbling in different kinds of sports, right? I mean, uh, at the end of the day, if you are able to go out and play every day, that means that you have some inclination to do sports uh, and you continue and you start participating in various events, various competitions. So the only sport that I felt I was, or two sports I was not good at, at that, uh, the school level was table tennis, which I still can't play because it's too small for me to play a game. Uh, and I was very, I'm not, not so good or not very bad at uh, basketball. And basketball incidentally was uh, the school uh, game, yeah. like hockey or cricket is for somebody else. The primary so, sport. Yeah, primary yeah. sport. So every time, uh, so we used to have a championship in the school. 
and every time the basketballers uh, used to perform they used to be uh, the mega stars so uh, for me uh, uh, i mean that was not an option because i was never going to get there uh but inherently cricket became a little bit of a passion at that point of time i got fascinated uh listening to the radio commentary uh, seeing the uh, uh, uh the men play on the whites uh reading the papers and how the game went etc so i went through that process and got lucky to get into a district team uh because i think uh being a wicketkeeper in those days uh was uh, uh was 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 they were not trained wicketkeepers so if you put your name into it there are high chances that you get selected uh, so i got into the district team uh, at, at junior under 12 or under 13 as a wicketkeeper and once you get in then the process becomes little easier because you tend to start playing etc so cricket became a natural uh, i would say a love and an affection um, uh, in terms of sports and that uh, uh, carried on till the, the time i was in 10th maybe 12th uh, but looking back i think at that point of time uh, even a sport like cricket had uh, just a uni unidimensional kind of opportunity there was no ipl there was no t20 uh, so they're just getting into the state team and then you play the ranji trophy and then get into the national team or whatever and uh, it is it was as hard as it is now to get into the into those teams uh, so i think it was sheer uh, lack of maybe effort uh, to kind of put in that work to manage both at that point of time and uh, like everyone else i drifted back into academics keeping sport or cricket as a hobby but looking back the way i think uh, amateur runners are training these days if you had put in the same effort at that point in time i'm sure you could have dabbled in both at a very uh, decent level yeah so uh, so multitasking essentially like if you can be as passionate about your work towards uh, you know the other side of yours which could be running or cricket or soccer for someone uh, possibly someone can treat it uh, to a certain extent um, uh so talking about the cricket stand right uh, uh, when i wanted to get some more trivia about you i was told that you have this uh, you know unspoken achievement of uh, getting one of our best indian uh, you know uh, national cricket players uh, bold who was that and what was that experience about so uh, this is interesting again uh, but uh, there used to be this tournament called uh, the nutrient superstar trophy uh, which used to be the under 12 uh, tournament for south indian states uh, so kerala used to be the bottom of the table so uh, we used to be uh, there up to make up the numbers and uh, every time say hyderabad or tamil nadu come to bat against us they would score score mammoth uh, amount of runs maybe 200 300 etc we were playing uh, i think hyderabad uh, in in the, in the tournament in vijayawada so uh, vvs lakshman uh, who later on became a legend was part of the team uh, which uh, uh, had hyderabad uh, in it and i remember uh, they were batting first and uh, i think vvs scored almost 153 uh, 112 uh, 153 uh, and imagine the amount of uh, runs you'd have scored and uh, the fatigue you'd have endured uh, so i used to uh, i had already graduated from uh, wicket keeping to off spin uh, by that time and i used to be a off spinner for kerala uh, and uh, uh, i got i would say a little lucky at that point of time uh getting vvs out i believe uh, probably in the mid wicket position uh when he had scored 153 uh 
so later on when he started uh, getting into under 19s and the indian team and obviously the famous uh, calcutta innings that he and ravid um, had obviously you look back and uh, feel happy about it yeah uh, so that's the small trivia around yeah, great no so uh, i don't want to put you on on spot but um, uh, who who perhaps for you would be uh, all time greatest test player for india it's difficult for me uh, to to kind of uh, answer that question but i think from uh, the person i am the kind of uh, the way i lead my life uh, i think uh, maybe someone like rahul dravid was closest to who i think uh, uh, symbolizes what i would follow uh, in terms of patiently building the innings uh, working towards a certain goal i mean those are all characteristics i still believe in and uh, i think he's probably a much better test player than uh, a one day or a t20 and even today i still would love to watch a five day test match uh, rather than a, a t20 game so uh, so funny i'm not surprised you said rahul dravid yeah. because that was exactly what was in my mind that you are going to say rahul dravid yeah. and that's partly because what i know of you yeah. and it also kind of defines um, that identity uh, of who you are today you are a marathoner mm-hmm. uh, and marathon is all about uh, you know your time on the field you staying put uh, its persistence its perseverance its uh, endurance uh, and rahul dravid of course uh, is perhaps the greatest example to uh, resonate all of that characters um, what's interesting for me is the fact that uh, you know because you had that well rounded uh, uh, growing up years i want to dip into the Uh, the fabric and family uh, you know how was it uh, parents pro supportive or did you had to go out and show them that you are cracking some milestone in sports and therefore you mm-hmm. can spend time what made them think uh, that you can uh, perhaps live a hybrid life of also being active in sports and also in academics so i think uh, during those times uh, in the 80s so my uh, father used to work uh, with the vikram sarabhai space center uh, in trivandrum uh, my mother is a housewife uh, so we you had a lot of people in trivandrum those days who were from outside uh, kerala or trivandrum uh, come, having come to settle there and work there uh, now i also think and know that a lot of those uh, people parents really wanted to give give the best for their children i mean so is the case now but i think more so in 80s because uh, wealth hadn't been generated uh, to that extent then so every parent wanted the best for their kid and they would go out of the way to see and seek admission and put them to the good school but post that uh, i think they were also equally worried that the pay, the, the kids don't go uh, astray they study well because for them getting to be an engineer or a doctor was the next normal path way uh, so a lot of us including me uh, the only thing that we had to show was that we never uh, uh, fail or we never do badly in academics as long as that criteria is maintained you are free to do anything else so uh, i used to uh, uh, play sport i used to stay back uh, every almost every other day uh and and come back late from uh, home uh, to from school but the only thing that i needed to guarantee was i should make sure uh, my uh, class teacher or the principal never calls my parents to school mm. which would only happen if uh, you are not attentive in class yeah. or if you do if you fail in an exam etc uh so as long as this criterion is done you are okay 
getting something out of sports winning something or uh, uh, achieving something was probably secondary because i don't think parents those days never thought uh, any kid or any child would have any sporting career uh, so that was a normal case so for them you would definitely uh, go into being a doctor or an engineer uh, so these were the criteria that they had to see you meeting uh so you lived a typical i would say uh, uh classic um, uh, uh middle class indian uh, uh, boy growing up go to the best engineering school go and do your mba from a top tier and then get a multinational corporate job right um but a side parallel which has also i've noticed is that uh, sports also also kind of been a parallel anchor to whatever you did right maybe you kept on changing the sport from cricket it went to football then at time it was badminton now of course running which we have to go into depth mm-hmm. but uh what made you go back always and dip into that parallel track uh, and and i ask that more specifically because uh, at least 8 out of 10 people we see around us uh, there is no parallel identity to many right i mean they mostly going to work and coming back uh these days of course now you have social media so that's another parallel track for many right uh, so what was that anchor for you that that sports continue to be as a parallel track all through your growing up years well um, i have not really thought about it but while you were asking me that question i was just quickly thinking what could have been the reason uh, now i think the first answer would be that it made me a it, it still makes me a full person i think sports uh, or playing something has always been integral so you can't take that out of me i mean even though the s- s- level doesn't matter uh, because there are so many people who are doing great uh, so that i think will still continue to be uh, a driving force uh, the other aspect when i look back is that sports also gave give me gave me an identity if not uh, 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 if not more but equal to whatever i am otherwise so if i look back at school uh, cricket gave me an identity even today uh, if i have to connect uh, people would still respect me as what i did through cricket at that point of time right uh, uh, athletics i still used to practice in school because that gave me an identity um, and for me i remember i always used to end up in third fourth because there are superior athletes at that point of time but for me that dream was to how do i go up and get the number 2 or number 1 right uh, uh when i went to college engineering college you, as you know uh, nobody does at- sports nobody does athletics uh, i i mean we used to have a cricket team which we were good at but nobody di- did athletics but i still remember i did went and did athletics there just to prove to myself that i could do it and uh, because you have a parallel identity there uh post graduation nobody plays uh, but we formed a cricket team and used to play against some of the good teams in delhi right uh corporate uh, again uh, i still played because that gave me a parallel identity in the company that i was working in as a cricket uh, player running as you know in the last 6 7 years uh, or 12 years has given me a parallel identity uh, also in the last 7 years obviously has been intertwined with the profession that i have chosen to follow uh, so in a way when i look back i think it's a it's an identity that i have had it gives me that fullness uh, and also to finally the happiness uh, to what i am today uh, so 
it it exactly resonates to why we are sitting together right i mean uh, uh, like i was telling you when i reached out to celebrity i want to talk to you the original uh, idea for me to have these conversations with people like you and others is essentially that everyone has that other side uh, and that's very uh, unique to who they are to the uh, to the primary identity what they have so when you as you grow up uh you know in in your college it's more about grades and the branch of engineering you are um and in your job it's more about uh, you know where you are flying out for your uh you know on site or what salary you got uh, and as you grow up it, you know that other side doesn't kind of evolve mm. uh, but there's always a hidden other side which i personally felt always anchors your primary identity right so for someone uh, who probably might be listening watching and thinking that uh, he or she might have that identity which is on the fringe or someone who may not have that uh, resonation that uh, what's their other side what do you think could be a starting point for them to kind of dip in and kind of find out what that identity is and how they could perhaps go to pursue regardless mm-hmm. what their age is because in your case that identity like you said has kind of made you well rounded mm-hmm. uh, personally professionally Uh, and i would assume it's it's kind of a superpower to you right so for someone a young person or someone in mid 30s early 40s 50s whoever wants to come and ask you like hey vijay what's that mm. protocol i can find out mm. what you would have to say to them so uh, i mean i have we have two daughters at home um, so the rules or, or the guidance that i would give them is no different from what i would give a 20 year old or a 30 year old or a, even a 40 year old right Uh, I think a lot of us uh, uh, have inhibitions of even exploring various things. The first starting point is, uh, I think, going out and exploring stuff. So it's the same thing that we, we I tell or we tell uh, our younger uh, daughter that you have to first go and participate. Uh, I remember in school, uh, uh, I used to uh, just for the sake of it, even though I may not have been good at it, or still go and write those essays. still participate in um, some poetry competition right still do a debating competition right uh, you explore and finally you realize that you probably are not good in certain things you have are good in certain other things and probably more than more important than that passionate in certain things so i think first start exploring a lot of times uh, what i feel is uh, especially which happened to me to an extent uh, in the 20s right you are fresh out of college uh, you're still not gotten into the family mode you're not into 30s etc you're still wanting to enjoy those lives you you get so much immersed in your normal routine of the on sites of work etc you forget to even explore the other side of things and then suddenly you realize that i mean years have gone past now i want to explore right so i think uh, if there's a conscious attempt to keep exploring different avenues then i'm sure you will get into something which will you will find happiness with and then you can jump on from one thing to another uh so part of the exploration when i was reading about you um you had made a post that i think at some point of your uh, career you took up to badminton you made a post that uh, you started training for badminton and that la- there was one line said that uh, uh learning new skills early in life is very important perhaps for that for you that was badminton right now for a lot of people badminton can be just a recreational sport uh, which in right way i mean you just go there to have fun uh, but then there is a nuance skilled involved yeah. in learning and in getting better uh, right uh, why is uh, 
so how do you differentiate between uh, taking an activity for the sake of activity and perhaps layering it, learning that as a skill mm. to again grow in life in general? So, I mean, talking about sports comes more naturally to me. So these two instances that you have talked about was in a period when uh, we were living in China, in Shanghai from 2007 to 2010. Um, if you remember, 2008 was also the period when uh, China hosted the Olympics. Olympics. So there was a lot of activity around Olympics and stuff like that happening there. And China was, was also uh, very strong in badminton and swimming. Right? And we used to be there for three years. So, and uh, during the period I, that we were there, uh, the Indians used to play badminton in the society that we had. So we used to book the courts from Pai to um, eight or nine every weekends and used to have fun sessions out there, you know, play games, etc. And uh, there was also an indoor swimming pool at that point of time. So I used to be a regular in both. But uh, I was never, uh, I mean, I would say it's something that you learn while, at, while being a kid and then uh, you just practice it. So every time you get into the water, you will probably do a typical floating and you know, get away with it. Badminton, you play in a certain way. Uh, so uh, in both these sports, I uh, started going for a little bit of training under Chinese. Uh, so I learned swimming a little bit more uh, practically, uh, the techniques of, of, of breathing and you know, stuff like that then. Uh, in fact, the breaststroke was something that I learned then. Uh, till that time, it was only the freestyle that I knew. Uh, when it came to badminton, uh, even a simple fact that you're holding a racket in a certain way uh, is something that has stayed with you for 30 years or 25 years. Uh, 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 a simple change of grip of the racket uh, is something that you have to unlearn and then learn a new technique. It's not so easy. Uh, the way you, uh, even badminton for that matter, when I was uh, uh, getting trained for those one or two months, the way you cover the coat is an art in itself. Where you stand, how you move back to the different uh, sides of the coat was an art in itself, which I never knew or which I, I wanted to learn. And uh, 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 so uh, in any activity, uh, what I felt was uh, as age progresses, it's going to be very difficult to unlearn and then learn new things. But sometimes it's worth and you need patience because uh, uh, the results are not going to be fast. And a lot of times you would go back to doing what you did because that will give you that immediate point. Right. Yeah. But it will uh, not help you in that midterm to yeah. uh, um, long term. And right now, uh, one of the discussions that I have with my daughter uh, is on cadence. Uh, so uh, I know cadence while running is important, but at the age of 47, it's quite difficult to change your cadence. Yeah. Uh, and it requires a lot of uh, mind activation, training and you know and, and perseverance to to get that going. Uh, so there are always going to be small things in whichever uh, uh, sport or activity that you pursue, which can be improved. and it will take a little bit of a learning to do that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can absolutely attest to it because uh, talking about swimming, uh, I know that for, for me, unlearning is a bigger challenge than learning a new thing because there are a lot of things which I'm doing is technically and tactically not right, uh, which is not good for my learning. But that's par partly because that was that raw um, ability of mine to see what 
swimming was like for i realized that staying in the water doesn't mean that you're a swimmer you've got to kind of go through a certain distance to kind of prove you who you are as a swimmer right and uh, for sure i can attest that because it's very hard to unlearn something and learn something right um which is i mean because you moved on in different sports um and you are a very skill oriented guy i mean you're trying to get better in each sport uh, uh was sport a means i mean i don't know was sports a means for you to stay fit during those times or gives me an impression that you wanted to be competitive and you wanted to get you want to ace the sport and therefore you want to get better uh, in whatever you do so what was that character like i mean because for most of the people as they grow mm. like i said it's just a means and tool to stay fit maybe burn some calories uh, what was it for you so staying fit is always going to be uh, one of the reasons right i mean you always who doesn't want to stay fit and healthy and uh, be active right uh, but uh, but uh, right from childhood or from very young stage uh, so one of the things uh, uh that's you talked about skill right uh so there is skill there is you can have power uh, you can have strength etc in a game uh but when you don't have power and i i, I remember watching um, tennis those days uh, you had people like ramesh krishnan uh who will not have the power but he has a, he had the skill to play right and he would uh, tactfully win those points uh, say in a wimbledon or uh, some other big major tournaments uh so there was a skill element uh, developed when you play test cricket um, like say um, we talked about rahul dravid for example yeah. even uh, lakshman for even vvs for yeah. example uh, i mean the immediate thing that you comes to your mind is skill right so uh, g- growing up cricket uh, when uh, even the early days i realized that uh, i was not as powerful as uh, some of the others around i mean i couldn't hit those lofty sixes um, the, even the fours so the only way you can score is to craft those runs in a skillful way and build those innings and that becomes a template for you every time that you uh, 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 do things right uh, so that uh, basis of you know uh, learning to uh, develop those skills uh, has stayed with me right uh, uh, so whenever i look at a sport i think uh, i think everyone mostly would be interested if they are succeeding in it the moment you don't succeed uh, you either uh, kind of back off and that's why maybe table tennis i have never been able to get back to it because i still don't en- uh, enjoy uh, because 50% of the time the ball is going out of the table uh, so in sports or in areas where i think um, i have a reasonably good chance where i am i am developing something uh, uh, or improving and i am passionate about it i like it uh, i tend to build my s- skills ar- around it power and strength is something that uh, if i am on a scale of 1 to 10 if i am at 6 or 7 uh, i think i should be able to do pretty okay because that's somewhere i would never be at 10 um so essentially um so the cue i'm getting is that um, for you t- for someone to for, uh, you know to improve in whatever then you got to measure it so measuring the outcome is more important and 
uh, like you said, for for some people it's that high that how you measure your progress. For some people it's for the sake of mm. showing up mm. and doing an X activity and coming back, right? Um, so that's a very interesting uh, segue to get into running, uh, which is your identity for at least the past uh, eight to ten years now. Uh, so you started running probably around 2011, 12ish, yeah. right? So almost uh, ten to eleven years of running career you've got. How many any count? How many marathons you've done? Uh, unfortunately, I don't jot it down too much, but maybe around 14 to 15 marathons. 14, 15 marathons, said. So, uh, uh, it might be odd for me to say, but that's not awfully too much, too many marathons yeah, for, yeah. for a typical person. Like, I mean, I mean, these days I see people end up doing at least five, six marathons in sure, a year. Sure. So, in that sense, you're not. So, I'm sure there's a, say, there's a methodical uh, runner behind that <laughs> to understand how many marathons you mm-hmm. do in a year. And I want to break that out. Um, uh, so, you're an ace marathoner. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, you have this, uh, uh, you know, accomplishment of doing um, uh, X number of sub three marathon. Sure. I think the count is what eight, eight, yeah. eight sub three. Um, so not many people perhaps would uh, uh, know the uh, accolade or the um, uh, that uh, credential of doing sub three marathon, which is huge. Uh, that's all. I mean, they're probably less than maybe between eighty to hundred people in India who can mm. do um, sub, who have done sub three marathon uh, you know uh, so far to do consistently uh, sub three marathon at that come what they would be less than maybe a handful of people in India right now mm. you're one of them um, which means you're very much dialed into that sport mm. now which means it's you're kind of constantly developing that skill sure. right now and you're trying to get better at it mm. and you said you're forty seven mm. and uh, you're not going you're not stopping you're only yeah. getting better with mm. age. Um, so as a marathoner right now, uh, how's your typical, uh, so what are the mental models around your training in the sense, uh, how do you pick and choose your races? Uh, what's your mental model in terms of how you want to get better? Uh, uh, and okay, let's get started with how, how do you pick and choose your races? How many races do you do in a year? So this uh, goes back to how and when I started. Uh, so you're right. I started road racing around 2011 end or so. 2012 was when I started running and racing more regularly, I would say. So uh, those were the days, if you remember, uh, that uh, there was still less running literature in India, less number of runners. So you had access to a few things. And the template at that point of time was uh, full marathons, etc. You do one or two in a year, uh, with less uh, running events, etc. So something somehow, uh, I think I've not graduated into uh, the current trend of doing more races, more marathons. I still go by that little bit of an old-fashioned way of uh, doing one or two marathons uh, in a year and do it well, uh, build it, build up to it, and do it well. Uh, uh, so that that typically stays my mantra, and I don't think that will change even in the next four or five years. If at all, I'm running till then. Uh, simply because I think, uh, I feel uh, as a person, um, I need so much time to recover, not just physically. I find uh, uh, recovering mentally from a marathon is much more important for me than just the physical aspect of recovery, right? Uh, in terms of a template, uh, I think uh, I've tried one or two different ways of uh, running. Uh, the first part, I would say, for almost six, seven, eight, seven, eight years, uh, the model has been uh, m- less mileage, I would say, and more of quality sessions. But as I've gotten a little older, 
uh, and uh, I've gone out and started enjoying my runs, so more easy runs, uh, but still with a focus around quality sessions. And uh, I still feel that I would continue to do one or two full marathons in a year. I will uh, do a few 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons, and then gradually build up to the full marathon uh, and see how I can stay at a consistently good level as I do all of these things. So uh, that's a typical uh, elite athlete mindset, right? I mean, there's a there's a process to it. There's a structure to it, right? It's not very random. Um, and I want to ask you, right? What's, what's your personal best? So what's your, let's, let's go with shorter distance to the longer. What's your 5K personal best? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty bad at remembering a lot of these personal best, but I think uh, on a road, uh, the 5K would have been maybe 18, 15 or something. Okay, and 10K? 10K would have been, uh, again on road, uh, maybe 37, 50 or something like that. Half? Half, incidentally, I, I did my best half while doing a 25K. Okay. Uh, it was around 121. Uh, and full? Full is 254. 254. So there's quite a lot of range uh, in the athlete you are today. And I'm sure uh, there's a lot of amount of structuring and introspection which has gone into kind of develop that. Uh, and when you look back, it's 12 years of mm. work in there, right? Uh, for you today, uh, how do you kind of structure your day a typical day, and we can take an, a typical example of a season training when you have like a marathon coming up in, you know, 16 to 20 weeks up. Um, what, how do you kind of design a typical day which is geared towards someone who is also training like a athlete, uh, like a sub-elite athlete. At the same time, you also have a nine to six mm. uh, endurance to take care, which is your yeah. work, right? So yeah, yeah. How, how do you design your typical day? So one is, uh, uh, I mean, like all runners, serious runners, you would be knowing that uh, you have only so many things to do in life uh, that you would be totally committed to doing, right? Uh, when it comes to running, uh, my usual runs have been around the morning. Until recently, uh, my mileage around marathons was 60, 70 kilometers. Uh, so now I'm slightly experimenting with a little higher mileage of maybe 80 and I my desire is to go up to a hundred kilometer a week soon sometime. Uh, so with that template in mind, uh, I would need a few more hours to be put into running, uh, which I plan or I would rather be doing it mostly in the morning uh, and occasional evening easy runs. And that's that's going to be the, the way I'm going to do it. But uh, I think as you progress in running as also in age, uh, not that I didn't know about it, but uh, I've given, I've now given more importance to also things like strength, etc., which now I do once or twice in a week, uh, which uh, I uh, want to do continuously. Uh, I also hit the pool more for recovery once in a week, uh, just to make sure that uh, I had an injury last late last season. Uh, I don't want that to come back. Uh, so this is broadly going to be my template uh, uh, while I get into this year of 2023. Uh, and in the first three, four, two, three months itself, I've seen that a lot of these things are working. And I'm hoping that 
uh, as the season goes ahead uh, i would tend to mostly be at my best levels if not better what i've done in the past so this is possibly uh, i would say 100% um, uh, effort for someone who is training at an elite level in the sense that uh, that's typically a template the difference would be um, intensity uh, uh, and let's say quality and the quantity mm-hmm. right so the volume would increase yeah. for an elite uh, and the intensity would increase right uh but in a way uh, it's much more harder because you also have a 9 to 6 job to do mm-hmm. and then you also have a family mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um uh so load balancing is a big question for me because i'm also kind sure. of uh, uh you know uh, in in a similar reflection that uh, mm-hmm. you know i have a passion of running uh, work and then i also have a family to take care and i always struggle with how do i balance it because there's no balancing right, right. I, i mean i mean there's only priority right uh, you can't be the greatest dad you can't be yeah. the the most uh, performing um, uh, colleague and you can't be the fastest runner yeah. right um, what are the things you know so i don't want to ask you what has worked for you i want you to rather say what are the things which didn't work which you tried hard to do that road that load balancing and it kind of didn't work and backfired what things you attempted which mm. kind of didn't work at all i think uh, i think one of the main things um, that usually doesn't work i mean at least in my case it hasn't worked it's still not working it probably will never work uh, is to lead or to 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 uh, to 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 uh, merge or to get into an activity uh, with family with your wife uh, which is not around uh running work or some of your or family the core points uh if you want to spend a easy friday evening that's never going to be and even if you are out your mind is somewhere else physically you are somewhere else so i think i find that the most difficult point when it comes to me i still not uh uh i'm not still able to find an answer to it because you could be out of running or out of any activity for 3 4 months but when you come back the same question comes to haunt you and there are going to be moments when you will have to say a polite no or you will show your disinterest in some other way which doesn't uh, uh, go well right so i think that's going that's the biggest challenge uh, that i face uh, and uh, one of the biggest complaints is also most of our vacations are around running which is not a great idea uh, but i think it's one of those things that one will have to find an answer in your own way yeah if the dad is a runner you got to live <laughs> with it <laughs> no but uh, which makes me have to ask you what has worked for you also because uh, you not been a one time wonder runner mm-hmm. consistently sub mm-hmm. uh, three marathons mm-hmm. 255 uh, very rare occurrence yeah. for a um, uh amateur runner to do that at this level uh consider that you also have a very demanding professional life yeah. uh and a family so what has worked for you uh, in terms of doing that act of balancing uh, so in the last 7 uh, 8 years i would say a few things one is uh, the person that i am uh, with uh, very less i would say um, external attractions so i don't uh, really uh, go and spend too much time socializing or anything because it doesn't come naturally to me so i think that part is a little bit of cut cut off so i have only limited things that i need to uh, 
handle and do it the right way so uh life is almost boring yeah uh but it's structured and uh, you can plan even at even two week well in advance right and you go and keep hitting it day after day right so that has uh, that helps um in in running in work uh, uh, even in family but yeah it sometimes it's boring right and it it's uneventful <laughs> yeah i mean it's assurance to me because i was telling someone the other day the same thing like for me uh, uh, it, it's a boring life it's the same template yeah? yeah you got to get up in the morning do the same things go yeah, back yeah, early yeah, in the yeah. bed but you are happy with it right i mean you are happy you don't want to change a lot of things because it seems to be working for you and you are having a good fun uh, so for an outsider it's boring in the sense yeah. but for you you're kind of dialed into it and you're kind of going it in a certain cadence uh, you don't want to change things yeah i mean i think that's uh, something uh, i think it's something so we, we, me and my daughter went to kenya in march first half we were there for 20 days in eaten uh, i mean you get up in the morning you run you come back eat breakfast i go to get to work maybe the evenings you go back to a little bit of a jog and the day i mean it continues very monotonous a lot of people uh, typically uh, have asked me that you were in kenya for 20 days you didn't go for a safari or you didn't go for a go to a sanctuary to see some wildlife i said no i mean <laughs> it would have meant <laughs> taking time off two days i mean it's a, it's a it's a it's a distraction I mean, and I think I may not have enjoyed it, uh, so I didn't do it. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, so, so that's how monotonous or how templatized uh, um, the way it is. So that was one point which I, when you said, what has worked for you? One point. The second uh, has been uh, uh, the family. I would say because uh, it is also, I think, uh, because there has been uh, a little bit of uh, sports on the other side. my family uh, especially my daughters have gotten into running i've tried to put them into cricket because that's that earns you more or that gives you more popularity but they have uh, they have simply refused to go you can't resist being not being a middle class father <laughs> <laughs> right so they have refused to go for cricket coaching etc so they come back to athletics uh, so that gives us more time to spend uh, together uh, even pavitra my wife she doesn't l- uh, like running too much but in some ways she likes doing multiple things in the area of fitness or sports so that helps the third thing which has um, helped in the last 7 8 years is obviously you know uh, the work that i'm doing uh, so i wouldn't have imagined 2013 14 that i would have the the highest number of i call them uh, acquaintances and some of them have become friends uh, from the running circuit uh not because i uh, run with a group too much or i kind of run together with somebody but just because uh my work through fast and up involves being with a running community uh, so i think these three have helped me being in the running um side of things and the fourth thing because of whatever i have been doing has uh given me more exposure to interact with a lot of sports uh people or people in the ecosystem which have just opened my mind and uh, when i look back uh, when i graduated from post graduation in year 2000 i would have loved to get into a, a a a profession or a career which would have made me uh, eat dream think sports but uh, those were times when you didn't have many opportunities so today when you have had that late opportunity 
you feel good. You feel that you are probably making up for those lost times, and and it all rubs off on whatever you are doing. Uh, so these are the few things that have helped me in running. So talk about the Kenya thing. Uh, I somehow get a feeling that uh, that also has some links with again going back to the skill mm-hmm. picking, skill development. It's about getting better as a runner, mm-hmm. uh, evolving as a runner. Uh, of course, you had um, your daughter accompanying you. Uh, but was that in the mindset that how you get to the next level of being a more uh, better runner or was it uh, just another bucket list uh, that every runner has to go to attain? So, uh, I mean, not definitely the bucket list. Uh, so, in fact, I accompanied my daughter, not the other way around. Uh, my daughter uh, is, uh, is, is at least aspiring to be a competent mid-distance runner as she progresses. And her coach is in uh, Kenya, based out of Eton. Uh, so it was also a time that uh, she could have gone and met her coach because during COVID, it was all online, etc. So it also gives her the exposure to be there. And me having been in running obviously excited me more. Uh, and uh, I kind of accompanied her. Uh, but obviously, at the back of the mind is also the interest to understand, learn uh, more about what's happening. For me today, uh, I think there's a limit to which I can improve or run fast, etc. I mean, that's the honest answer, right? I mean, you can't aspire, I mean, you can't cut off incredible number of minutes. So that's not my real attraction, even, even if I have to go to Kenya or Colorado or wherever it is. My interest lies more in talking to people, seeing how they work around. It's, I call it my own personal interest uh, when it comes to sports and running, in fact. So what I saw during those 20 days is something which I feel I wouldn't have gathered even if I had read 10 different books. Uh, The kind of knowledge that you get just seeing and interacting with people in that guest house uh, during breakfast, lunch and dinner is much more rewarding than sitting in India, browsing the internet and reading 10 different textbooks. So uh, I was lucky that I got that time of 20 days to be away from family, away from India, away from the usual time zones of work uh, to be there. Uh, but it was truly rewarding. And I think if I, if, if I get an opportunity like that again, uh, you still would like to go back. But I don't know whether I would get an opportunity like that. Going back as a runner for high altitude training or? Uh, I mean, as a runner, uh, as one of the things, but just going back and spending another three weeks in, in, in Kenya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, Kenya, uh, most people may know it's it's the home of champions, especially for long distance running. Uh, most of the world record holders or winners of marathons come from Kenya. Uh, and you spend 20 odd days there. Um, now running uh, in Kenya is very different for what running in India is for, right? And it's odd in the sense that in Kenya, it's for survival. It's getting food on the plate. It's not as much for fitness, but in India, it's more recreational. Uh, it's fun. And at an elite level, you probably have very handful people in India who did it at a very elite level, right? What did you see uh, culturally what uh, is working for people in Kenya, uh, which you think perhaps if we can imbibe even at a recreation level, we could have a much larger, richer foundation for years to come, for, for perhaps the next generations to come. 
so I wouldn't want to get into the the genetic aspect. Yeah, that, of course. I wanted to put that disclaimer. Yeah, uh, physiology I'm a, apart. Yeah, because yeah. I'm not an expert in of that. Of course. So yeah. I, don't I mean, we don't to, talk about yeah. that people are born at X thousand level. I don't touch, in, touch into that aspect. But some of the other things that I I see, which is very practical to India, uh, is the sense of community. I think running there uh, is a sense. There's a sense of community around. What I saw there was people willing to help each other. um and that goes via beyond uh, uh, the elite group or a subset of it uh there would be hundreds and thousands of runners who would be running say a 220 or a 215 marathon out there uh, uh but only the elite two three of them would win something at the boston or the berlin or the london right but there are so many other people out there training enjoying their runs Uh, so there's a community feeling out there where people are ready to help each other that's number 1 uh, uh, out there uh second is uh i think you would typically see because of the community aspect uh you would have a lot of groups training out there right uh, uh third aspect is uh they don't have the required infrastructure that uh to make world champions to make olympians right uh but still they they were able to do it again it goes back uh, to the community and their uh, ability to stick as a pack and to train on those dirt tracks uh, i mean some of the stadiums that were around in eton is as good as worn out dilapidated stadiums that you could see anywhere in the rest of the world right uh so if you have to mirror that to india i i i sometimes used to think why can't we do this uh, do a similar thing in india uh, uh, you know you have similar kind of people people a lot of us say that india has a lot of talent out there uh, but we somehow don't get to that top rank at least when it comes to running uh, i think what we lack is uh, the community the pack which requires uh, uh, has to be at the best when i say that uh let me qualify that okay uh around 2015 16 if you remember uh when uh, i was still around that 3 hour i mean i used probably i did once i was hitting those 310s or something like that i couldn't find even a single person who would be willing to run together to get to the next level because i think everyone does things on their own and one typically would feel that uh i mean i don't want to run as a pack for whatever reasons but if that revolution had happened at that point of time where you look at the 10 of best bangalore runners come together on a saturday or a sunday morning train run together during the long runs i'm sure uh, uh it would have been a different level altogether today we do that but it's again in in groups yeah uh and uh even at the elite level uh i think everyone trains separately you would have an army uh, uh teams training separately you would have some other people training separately even the top indian five marathon runners wouldn't be training together yeah whereas you have the nn running team or some of the world's best training day in and day out together And these are technically everyone not at the same pace groups, right? Not everyone from two or three to perhaps two fifteen. Correct, right? 
So one of the fundamental things that I uh, see, you can bring all the infrastructure, you can all bring all the uh, recovery mechanisms, etc. But till the time that community thing develops, at least when it comes to uh, mid-distance, long-distance running, it's going to be uh, a little, little difficult because these are long-drawn, uh, uh, patience, requiring patience and things to be developed over a period of time. Uh, so this brings back uh, one more uh, question that somebody asked me. I was describing a lot about Kenya and the experience. And finally, one of the things, smooth questions that came out was, uh, okay, Eton is at a level of 2400. So why would I waste so much of money and go to Eton, Kenya to see all this? I would rather go to Uti. Uti, yeah. I mean, the same altitude. But there are so many intangibles around which you simply can't replace in a place like Uti, and which answers uh, yeah. a lot of things. So I think uh, for me, the community and uh, doing things together, uh, even the exercises sometimes you see on the Instagrams, etc., where they do the drills, etc. It's all a lot of community uh, uh, feeling. Uh, uh, the last one before I end this uh, uh, in, th in this explanation, I can give you a live example. Uh, so. Uh, I mean, because of uh, the, the work that I do, sometimes uh, uh, we also send some um, some of our products to people I we know in Kenya. So uh, we support one of the, one or two sprinters there. Three, I mean, incidentally, uh, Kenya is also doing good in yeah hundred meters. Hundred meters now. Yeah. There was a four hundred meters runner who who likes our products and he wanted a few more products. So there is no way to get it to them, right? I mean, uh, if you send send it through normal courier, it has cost, etc. And the customs will ask questions, etc. Uh, so I, incidentally, I pinged him saying that, boss, uh, the thing is, you have a TCS 10K happening. There are a lot of Kenyans coming. Um, so why don't you find somebody who can carry that product back with you? Uh, so incidentally, through some connects, he got hold of one of the persons uh, who was ready to take that those products back to him uh, and that gave me a sense that there was a willingness to be part of the community you give to help each other help yeah. each other so i think that's pretty important is it is it also because uh, like we said uh, and and this is getting into the trenches of running um, uh, because if you want to stand out you got to be a 203 205 no one possibly talks in Kenya, if you are a, if you are above two or five, two or six, no one wants to talk to you, right? You possibly will end up becoming a pacer, mm. and pacing itself is a rewarding mm. uh, job and an activity, right? You're constantly pacing someone to get better, and goes back to the point in, like you said, in India, you don't have that culture. People are not coming together just because that we can help one guy or as a community, as a pack, you can get better. So, do you think that's also because culturally, because in in Africa, they have to come together because they know they can't be the top, but just staying around, they can get some reward. But in India, uh, you know, that nuance is not there because either you are doing it for yourself or you're perhaps not doing for, I mean, you're just not doing. You're not doing it because there is some intrinsic reward attached anywhere. I mean, to an extent, yes. But I think more importantly, uh, I think in Kenya, it has become, a, I mean, even though it's an individual sport, it has actually become a team sport. Team sport. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, people know for sure that only a few people who do those two or two or threes really go uh, uh, will get rewarded. Uh, 
but everyone knows i need to get there and i can only get there if i stay together and finally somebody will break out and reach there but the person who reaches there doesn't uh, forget the roots so he or she will still help people around and that's exactly what you see in some of those uh, you know stories that yeah. we see of the the biggest guys around etc of them helping yeah. things back so i think in india uh, to a large extent uh, uh, a lot of sports is still individualistic yeah even if it's an individual sport you can only succeed if it's there's a team around it uh, the reason why probably a cricket is at a far bigger level i mean you can leave alone what was the support that they get the money that is there but it all had to start somewhere i mean it started to a large extent because it's a it was a, it was beginning to be a community sport yeah. uh, gali gali mein you had yeah. people playing in the maidans of the uh, of the country people played you know you you so it it was becoming a community sport so i think there is a need to develop running also into a community sport which would eventually happen i think yeah so i want to double down double click on uh, your training um, what is the eklavia mode for you what is the eklavia mode training i i read that you follow that principle uh, till date i feel what's that no so uh, i've not really uh, run with too many people around not that i don't like to but it's just that like, we talked about work timing and uh, the need to travel so i don't want to i want to cut down on all those so i uh, try to uh, train uh, uh, alone uh, so till 2019 um, i didn't did not have a coach uh, uh, so i used to train on my own um, um, so even now obviously uh, a lot of things i do on my own but you have to imbibe things from somewhere right so you see a lot of things around it could be from you it could be from somebody else but there are some some practices that uh, uh, could be good and you would want to uh, imbibe right uh, a lot of times i see some uh, some runner some people even on the on the, on the on the race on the road doing certain things in a in a separate in a different way uh, so you would want to try to imbibe those so when i said i think the ekalavya mode sometime back uh, i meant getting those inputs from uh, different people uh, if i have to give you a quick example uh, in the last 3 months or 4 months uh, when i went to kenya my first surprise was that uh, there's hardly any infrastructure out there people seem to be running on dirt tracks dirt roads uh and there are a few good tarmacs but the tarmacs were uh, typically uh, used by the muzungus who muzungus were the europeans or the mm. english white uh, whites who, who used to go there uh, because they found running more easier there Uh, typically the kenyans used to train quite a bit on dirt uh, um, dirt tracks uh, i found the reason that uh, uh, it made you more stable uh, more uh, more the lot more strength more endurance so i was a guy who will never love to uh, like to go out on um, uh, paths which are not clean and and, and, and tarmac so since coming back uh, i have run even my workouts my intervals my repeats on uh, typically uh, dirt tracks dirt roads uh now it's, it's it's something that nobody told me to do it but something that i observed uh and uh which i imbibed right uh this is this is something that i imbibed after seeing that there could be a lot of things that i 
hear something or I uh, uh, watch and then you kind of experiment and start doing it yourself. So I think the Ekalavya mode is all, all the more important today because uh, information can come through social media, information come, can come through interacting, uh, can come from coaches, etc. So it's always good to be in that mode uh, because that helps you improve. You said uh, for a long period of your running career, you were self-guided and then you kind of picked up a coach. So when you go out and pick a coach, what are the attributes you look at in deciding that this is what I need in a coach? And I'm, 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 so, I'm sorry, I just want to explain. Mm -hmm. And that's more particularly because since you have, you, uh, you've involved yourself in multiple sports mm -hmm. and you've seen a coach in cricket and football and badminton, right? Um, those, does those evaluating factors, is there a common pattern in all of that, that that has stemmed that, okay, the same pattern applies in evaluating a running coach or did you, was there a new variable in looking for a running coach? So uh, I think uh, there were just probably two things because uh, I think, I mean, at the end of the day, we are not, elite professional athletes who are going to day this, do this day in and day out, right? Yeah. And so the needs of um, elite athletes, people who are in their 20s, etc., are going to be so different from people who are late, uh, late in the 40s or something. So I think two things, uh, uh, three things which are probably more important from my perspective is, uh, one, uh, whether uh, uh, there's some amount of matching of uh, wavelength uh, to the coach and you uh, uh, and whether you would at the end of the day respect that person because if you're not going to respect that person uh, then you're always going to be in the questioning mode so I think the first and impo Im most important thing is whether I would be able to trust that person um, so the ways of finding the trust could be multiple ways either you uh, uh, I mean you you see what their credentials are talk to them etc so that is uh, number one Two, uh, whether that person is going to add value to you. Uh, uh, I mean, in various form, forms. It is, need not be just improving your time because there is no guarantee that yeah. you will improve, right? But if there are uh, 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 different ways that person can improve, uh, add value, that's enough for me. For me, uh, getting a different perspective from what I was doing six, seven years was good enough for a coach to come and uh, interject, right? Uh, uh, third is obviously the cost, right? Uh, uh, if you go outside and fetch a coach, it's going to be in dollars, right? So you'll have to see whether it is... Translating into affordable Indian right. coaching price. Yeah. So that's going to be important, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, um, having said all that, for me, uh, the most important was I was coming to a point where uh, I was doing certain things myself and I... I mean, I mean, as you know, it's a lonely exercise. Yeah. Uh, uh, and after a point of time, you needed some freshness into what yeah. you're doing. Different perspective. Perspective. Yeah. The fun of working with somebody. Yeah. Uh, uh, somebody planning out what you will be doing for the next one week, two weeks, so that you don't need to put that mind to it. Uh, so that's the reason why I went. But uh, I can also safely say, uh, even after having a coach, my interactions with the coach is not too much. I'm not a very... Uh, interactive student nor do I demand the coach needs to uh, be giving me inputs uh, I get a structured plan um, I ask a few questions once in a while 
um and i think after a point of time uh, uh, i mean the principles are the same yeah uh, it's about how you get there yeah i think uh, coaching is also i feel is a very underrated um uh, uh that investment in life where people don't know till the time they get a coach uh uh and so in your case uh, uh you have been coached your daughter has been coached uh what is the parallel you have seen in uh getting coached in uh in a sport to getting coached in professional life like i mean i for a fact i believe that the the biggest advantage of having someone mentor you is to tell you not what to do uh sorry to tell you what not to do rather than to tell you what to do because so very easy for you to figure out what to do but uh i think the biggest learning curve is that when you can uh minimize and eliminate those failure modes where you don't do something wrong and therefore you are not available to do the right things and in running for that matter is you don't do you don't overtrain or perhaps you don't do things which will make you injured and therefore keep you away from consistency right so do you see there's any parallel and it applies both because now you're seeing from the lens of a father who's getting coached also an athlete uh, who's getting coached uh, and i'm sure you're coaching uh, folks in your organization so do you think the parallels are same like uh, i think the parallels in sports business work are all the same right i mean there are there's so many dry lines that you can draw uh so coach or a mentor uh, typically gives you uh, a guidance or a pathway of achieving certain goals right uh and you are uh, you are reasonably certain that those road that road map or the pathway uh, uh has been experimented in a is uh, uh, validated to a large extent to reach to a certain goal so, so there is no guarantee to success right so you would uh, you would assume that that mentor or uh, person or the coach has that template or the road map uh, which is validated uh, but so can many people give it right and some people uh, finally end up successful one out of 10 people and then you can go back and say you had a wonderful coach and you know we worked together but the same coach when he or she trains somebody else uh may not be successful for yeah. multiple reasons right uh so uh, first uh, i think uh, the expectations have to be uh, clear uh the th- the the second thing in both uh, uh, uh work as well as sports is uh, that uh you need a mentor you need a coach uh to basically interact to basically help to basically be a sounding board uh a lot of times uh, you are either hesitant to go to multiple people uh, or if you go to multiple people you get five different inputs so i think you need somebody who you think is the best guide and trust uh if you feel that you have a mentor or you have a coach but you start listening to five different people then you are it's a, yeah. it's a self fitting yeah. purpose the third uh, important perspective at least when it comes to my kids uh, i think i've seen this even in adults is that when people give you the same opinion and you are close to them as a friend or as a father or as a, a brother or a mother uh, they don't t- value things they don't take it seriously mm. 
they in fact question mm. um but when the same opinion comes from the coach or the mentor it's taken as more of a gospel truth yeah. uh so i think there are similar 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 things in both sport and um, and but i think it's it's important uh, uh to have some mentor i would say i mean you don't really typically need a coach uh, after a point of time if but you still may need a mentor or whatever it's funny as you were saying about the thing i was kind of reflecting back it it happens to me often um when i am giving uh, not really giving opinions or advice but i'm generally telling my dad what you should eat and what you should not eat uh, he takes me for granted and he doesn't remember but the, when he goes to a doctor and he pays him a consultation fee and the doctor says that look your glucose is going spike and you should not do that he will listen to him yeah. so it's a weird uh, i would say human behavior concept that i mean uh, and i mean i don't i mean as i say i don't know whether what's the answer to it but uh, i think yeah i mean uh, we could probably just agree that it's a it's a behavioral yeah, yeah. thing in humans um uh, so for all your sub 8 sub sorry sub 3 marathons uh, what's also interesting is that there has been a lot of uh, hardships and downsides right uh, there have been quite a few uh, dnfs and uh, in running parlance dnf means uh, did not finish uh, and that's a big um a big blow to a runner uh, also because you go through a very excruciating 10 to 12 to 16 weeks of training and you show up for a race and for whatever reasons beyond your control it doesn't go your way uh, for some people it could be that you don't achieve a certain goal time and for some people you cannot finish sure. and it has happened few times with mm-hmm. you uh, and it has happened in instances where perhaps you've also travel to a different country uh, with a lot of aspirations of finishing a certain goal time right and knowing you i would perhaps can you know visualize that there was a lot of um, uh, process and training structure to go there get that goal done uh, and move on mm-hmm. when you went through those hardships i wanted to kind of open up some mental models essentially sure. uh how did what were the mental models for you to introspect come back what were the points you kind of thought through to say that okay uh you know do i think about what went wrong mm. or do i think about uh why it went wrong so that i can inculcate and move on to my next training block mm. so what were your mental models how do you bounce back from these downsides so there were uh, if i look back there were three big instances i would say uh, which there was a dnf uh, the first one was in mumbai 2015 or 16 i think yeah uh, so i have always been having an, i've had asthma throughout and it's lingered uh, uh, some medication helps but i think uh, in 2015 or 16 just before the marathon uh, was wheezing etc so there is no way i could uh, finish a marathon but i tried my luck uh, started going at a pace which would have taken me to a 310 or something those days uh but there was no way i could um, do that uh, so i backed off in 21 22 kilometers so a medical uh, problem or issue i mean it's very easy to introspect and find an answer to uh, uh but i think uh, the learning from that was uh, not to be foolish uh, you kind of don't try your luck uh, too much and it's better to back off rather than go into a battle uh, uncooked right uh but uh more importantly the last two it's not dnfs uh but where i haven't 
succeeded or where I haven't met my expectations has been two New York marathons. New York marathons, and that's, I, a, that's a nemesis for now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, you have rightly said it it inve- it, it costs <laughs> going all the way, the registration fees in dollars and whatnot, and so a lot of people ask why this uh, this one of going running etc. That's a different discussion, right? Uh, but when I look back, uh, I think uh, uh, New York has been has been for me a highly technical course. Uh, uh, I think the more I think about it, uh, there are doubts uh, with every passing year. Uh, and my goal has been to do all the world majors uh, in under three hours. Um, and I think New York is going to be the most difficult one considering that I've got London and Tokyo left and I've not succeeded in, to, to, uh, in New York for the last two years. I mean, two, 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 two attempts. High, highly technical course. Uh, the weather can vary a little bit. Uh, so the only way that I think I can succeed there is if you are super trained and you go into that with enough cushion with you which would mean that if if i have to uh, even hit a 3 hr mark i have to be prepared to go to 250 to 52 yeah. uh, so i have the buffer to have the buffer or the confidence to go and attempt given all the costs and the training hardships that uh, uh, you you go through so it is going to be a, I mean, it, it, I mean, I have to be honest, upfront with you that the two occasions has been a little tough because you went through all the process thinking that everything will go well and then it uh, broke down. The last time, uh, I mean, I think I met you uh, just after the Bangalore marathon, Bangalore half marathon, which was on October 16th and this was on November 6th. And on October 16th, I remember that I'd done one of my best times of 123 the last five years, uh, very uh, uh, I mean, well-trained, good, and super confident. Uh, but uh, there was uh, injury lurking underneath, which just exploded, uh, which put me out of action for next uh, two, three uh, months, in fact, through a L4, L5 injury. So that was unfortunate. Uh, and... Uh, so I think uh, when I look back, I I think I will go back. I will still do it, uh, not uh, in a in a in a in a in a, in a half a sad way. When I say that I'll go back, it is not um, something where I am foolish. Uh, 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 but I think it can be done, even with passing age. Uh, uh, but I think I need to make sure that I go there in the best prepared manner. Uh, when that will be, uh, how that will be, uh, I still don't know that window because whether it is going to be 2025 or 2026, uh, I don't know because it happens once in a year in November. Uh, you have to get a entry based on your times uh, in uh, early that year. You have to be injury-free you have to be training well. Uh, uh, you have to stay fit for a couple of more years. Uh, so all that comes into play. 
so today uh, 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 when i look back on those those two runs i mean i have done a lot of introspection etc but simply it has come down to be uh, to, to 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 just telling me that you being lucky on that day will not get you through you have to be good good um, yeah. as against uh, london or a tokyo or somewhere else where luck would give you that um uh, that leeway of few minutes right uh, here it's not going to be the case so you have to be at your best and that's exactly what i'm not trying to do now so this year uh, that's the plan to get back i don't know whether it will happen in 24 or 25 but that's the broad game plan so in these situations when things don't go the way you had originally um, envisioned for uh, do you think it's mostly um, for example when i look at certain goals uh, the two variables for me is either i am underprepared or i didn't set reasonable goals Uh, which is kind of also intertwined because yeah. uh, you set super high goal to yourself you are obviously going to fall short of uh, yeah. your preparation right the third factor which i am starting to realize now is those unknown factors which is beyond your control in let's say in an example like boston marathon mm-hmm. right where you can be super trained uh, but you can't be super trained for the course because yeah. the course you can train technically for the elevations or the downhills but weather is something which is beyond your control mm. right so when you look back on these instances mumbai new york or for that matter any race which didn't go the way you want uh do you think the factors are mostly in those knowns which are again like i said the uh the under preparation or perhaps not setting the reasonable mm. goal which is the first principle or always missing out on the unknown factor so uh, this is a, a very interesting question um, i i have this dialogue with so many people even including my daughter um, uh, so i played cricket as well as running um, so i think running is probably the only sport uh, i mean along with maybe swimming but running for simple simplicity's sake is where uh, most of the things are under your control I mean, there's nothing that is beyond your control because you exactly know what you are capable of when you come into that race, and only you can blow it up, right? More often than not, except yeah. if 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 the weather is factor is there. Yeah. Weather factor is something that is uh, I'm keeping it aside. Yeah, but you also technically also train for the weather because you know what weather you're going so to. So I'm saying the weather. Let it be yeah. uh, 20 degrees centigrade or yeah. 15 degrees centigrade. Uh, that is more or less certain until until unless you have a Boston kind of thing which happened in 2018 or yeah. uh, 19, 18 I think 18 or 19 the rest of things are all under your control there is no way that anything can go wrong until unless you think something different during the course of the run or you come in with an injury knowing that uh, the injury is there but it will blow up so you you know what the conditions are right Uh, so you could cramp etc that's a different thing but that again goes back to your training and if you've done 10 different uh, uh, training runs the chances are high that you won't cramp uh, during the actual run uh, as against a sport like cricket uh, i mean you watch yesterday's game uh, i mean uh, some days you leave a ball like what shubman gill did i mean the ball could have not even stuck hit your wicket but if it's a beauty of a ball it will come and hit your hit the wicket and you are gone right or there could be a, a spinner who is turning the ball 90 degrees you can do nothing against it in a sport like badminton if 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 on an odd occasion if the opponent is very strong 
uh, or gets lucky, there is one more degree that acts. But when it comes to running, the opponent is not going to hit you out of the game. Right? So to that extent, I think running is much more um, certain. Uh, But I think a lot of times, uh, uh, what I feel is the way you have trained, uh, the way you have underestimated certain things and factored it into your training uh, would have been the difference. For example, in the first New York attempt, I can clearly tell you that uh, I used to live in Hyderabad and uh, the en- my entire training was done on a flat stadium. I used to do my 25 kilometer, 26 kilometers just circling the stadium. Uh, possibly also because, because uh, that gave me a false sense of confidence that I'm hitting my targets. And then when I actually went out into uh, a, a race or, uh, uh, or, or, a, or a place which had different situation, I was not able to cope up with it. Uh, it's same in business. Yeah, I was just about to tell yeah. you, it, it just resonates everything in life. Yeah. I mean, you could make your Excel sheets, but yeah. when you go into the uh, actual uh, work environment, uh, it could be different. But having said that, I think running, in a way, a lot of things can work. Uh, if you are running a pace, hitting a pace of, say, 4, 4.30, consistently during training, the chances are high that you can replicate it. The only way it can go, go awry is if you do a mistake. It's not because the opponent has done anything yeah. different. Yeah. No, yeah, well, yeah uh, uh, no, absolutely. I think that's what uh, the beauty of this sport is because there are so many dots which are connecting not just to the sport, but perhaps to your life, uh, to your work. And uh, like we were saying in the beginning, I think uh, the thread which ties a lot of recreational runners uh, when I talk to a lot of people is that um, the discipline and the ability to create a project around even just running mm-hmm. uh, to achieve a certain goal is cert- uh, is kind of resonating to everything in life. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, so yeah, this is fun. So, um, so quickly, if if you want to double click on your training uh, routine, uh, let's say out from marathon, typically you would have a sixteen twenty week. At a very macro level, how do you kind of face out that sixteen twenty weeks and leading up to a typical marathon race? So for me, uh, training is typically throughout the year. Uh, so when it gets to marath- near the marathon, it's going to be marathon specific, maybe a block of 16 or 12. Uh, the way I'm seeing it is now is I would typically do uh, whatever reasonable mileage that you are doing, uh, have uh, maybe two quality sessions uh, a week. Uh, I've never done um, a 35 kilometer mileage uh, in my training sessions, uh, I've stopped at 32. So my my idea is to go to a 32 or 35 to experiment with that uh, in the coming season, uh, etc. Uh, and then uh, leave a clean taper. Uh, so as against six seven years back when you had a three three week, I used to love taper because your work is done, you are relaxing and getting into a marathon. But I think nowadays taper is also getting smaller. Yeah. Uh, so probably I have to switch to that mode, maybe a two-week taper or whatever. Uh, but around the race dates, days and the times, uh, my uh, schedule is more or less the same as it was seven, eight years back, which is uh, uh, I don't want any uh, 
unexpected things to happen around it so it's going to be well planned my uh, trips to whichever place is going to be well planned i already know where i'm going to stay uh, uh, get into uh, if it is uh, abroad i typically get go there four five days before just to make sure that your sleep cycles are okay if it's india go there a day or two two days before uh, my routine of sleep is going to be the same get as much as sleep as possible my nutrition is going to be the same uh, uh my uh, the way i lead up to it in terms of my strength etc typically i avoid strength etc in the last week or so simply because i go get those nickels from somewhere so uh, how to avoid that maybe get a massage or something leading into that week so all those things are going to be the same it's just that uh, the 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 block is going to be a little different i think it's going to be vastly different this time whenever it is going to be than what i have done previously so we we spoke a lot about physical training um, i want to change gears and talk about um, mental training uh, which i also feel is uh, vastly underrated but uh, has uh, immense uh, top line value uh, in sports uh, personal life professional life right what has been your toolkit uh, over the past few years which have you've kept on compounding uh, which you just have to keep replicating uh, not just during the season but off season which is kind of a steady toolkit for generally a mental health so what seems to be what seems to be those things what you're doing which is kind of helping you in your mental health i'm sure no one could claim that they are always in the best of their mental mm-hmm. health but what mm-hmm. seems to be working for you what are your toolkits so a few things i think uh, dilip uh, i think there's no there's no golden standard right because i i think i i can all i can tell a few things but it need need not be the the way to success because i think i see a lot of uh, immensely successful people uh, who later come back and say i mean i wish i could have handled the mental side of things well etc so uh, but i think uh, whatever i would be thinking is not a way to success in any form even in marathon running or in uh, work or elsewhere but things that i do typically is that uh, uh i mean some of the things that are core of what i generally do i practice when it comes to the mental aspect as well which is uh, one is uh, uh st- staying grounded right i feel a lot of times when you are not grounded when you think a uh, lot of temporary things are your reality then uh, there is an expectation mismatch for example uh, when you are working in some place you get a lot of perks and you s- start to believe that those perks are you right it's going to be there for the rest of your life it could be traveling in a business class traveling in uh, i mean staying in your five star um uh, accommodations etc one day you pull that out you don't know what to do yeah right so i think i mean i think call it a little old fashioned or the way i've been i mean or sport for example whatever it is staying grounded um uh, uh, is something that can help you even mental mentally because a lot of your mental uh, uh, the mismatch comes because of yeah. these expectations right yeah. uh the second thing that uh, i think i i try to practice a lot of times i i'm not able i i may not be able to 
is the ability to get out of that situation that you are in a lot of times every day you could be in business situations business problems that uh, i mean the sales are not uh, happening to the extent that you need to be in or i have a problem to solve at home which you have not control over uh, or when it comes to running things are not going the way it is uh especially if it's to do with say my daughter or you know certain expectations etc but the fact of the matter is that you at that point of time cannot solve it you can do whatever you want but you simply will not be able to solve it so just understanding that and getting out of that uh has helped me so a lot of times uh, uh when i switch off i i i can sleep peacefully for 7 8 hours wow uh and get up and then the problem still stays <laughs> but you 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 kind of get back fresh and a lot of times you i i i find that problems or situations also have this tendency to solve by itself without you doing much right uh so that um, has helped or will help i think uh the third i think uh is patience uh a lot of times i think you need to be patient there are no overnight results i'm i'm at least i am not a believer in overnight results it could happen with a few people even in business even in sport but most of the people like me uh or like a lot of us are not supremely talented over achievers that you can get to a certain point overnight so understand that and keep putting in your efforts and you will eventually go there uh these would be my normal uh, 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 place uh, things that i would suggest and i practice and uh, the last uh, element would be uh i think even in terms of relationships and friendships in terms of uh uh getting acquainted with people uh i think uh it's very important that uh for me at least what has worked is not to over invest not to expect uh because then there there's a mismatch out there so yeah. i think what comes out in all these things is when there is a mismatch between expectations, expectations. and uh, what you achieve yeah. so to a large extent if you can manage that i think you are mentally pretty peaceful yeah i was thinking as you saying that i think the <laughs> as someone is saying the expectation is the root cause of misery in life so <laughs> if you can nail that out you're perhaps uh, yeah, you're yeah. the most sorted yeah. person uh, it would be incomplete to uh, you know have the training component uh, miss as we spoke mental we physical um, nutrition uh, so at a very overarching level because i understand uh, often um, nutrition is a subject which is also abused mm. and people often get to lap it to say that what seem to have worked for you i would want to apply it on myself yeah, yeah. so it's very individualistic mm-hmm. but at a very overarching principle level uh, you know what i like to know is that what's your guardrail around nutrition is it and i, I what i mean by here is it is it a means for you to uh, kind of replenish what the damage has gone through your body which could be because of stress training whatever causes in life or is it another source and tool to perform and get better both physically and mentally so how do you look at nutrition and i, I don't want you know specific in macros and uh, micros because that's very very specific mm. but uh, what are your principles when you look at nutrition 
so for me it's been very simple uh, right from uh, as being a kid right uh, uh, i grew up in a in a uh, in a in a household which uh, vegetarian tambran so curd rice was a go to uh, stuff and i played sport so there was no way i could be strong and achieve uh, anything in sport right uh, so that was a perennial uh, point right through that's the reason you realize very early it's all about skill and not strength and power <laughs> yeah you can you can only uh, bridge the gap through yeah. a little bit of skill play by your strengths <laughs> right uh but i think it's also important to realize that uh nutrition is where the gap has been and uh, so the first and fundamental thing uh, right from them and it grew as i um, uh, evolved and is uh, understand there is a gap there can be gaps and if you need to fulfill that uh, you need to be open you need to be flexible that flexibility can come from the kind of food that you eat so a lot of people are uh, open to exploring meat and you know non vegetarian options so i am not a uh, i don't i don't sit in judgment to say i don't have it but i don't sit in judgment to say that you should not be having it right so first and foremost is being open to uh, options available right uh, which includes uh dietary supplements right uh so that's the premise on which i think uh i believe i i continue to work uh and when i interact with a lot of sports sportsmen and uh, a lot of general public um uh, it's also it's it's is that nutrition is a very fundamental tool or part in improving either the performance of the elites or improving uh the 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 level of activity in everyone's life right recovery sleep etc is, is separate but so this is important and that has to be realized and now solve it yeah once you have understood that the need needs to be solved and you need to be flexible then it's pretty simple then i think it's just a question of choice yeah what do you do what's best for you what best for you uh i think i find it a little tough when people start uh, being prejudiced or judgmental when it comes to nutrition um uh, to products or to brands or to the way or what you eat uh as long as one is open to it uh i think uh, uh one gets to a better life and that's proven this this aspect is proven uh by elites by uh, general public or the people around you uh you can call it eat healthy eat safe eat nutritious food etc uh but finally uh doing this is a simple way how you tackle it is to each one's own yeah so a lot of you uh Vijay, uh, as we speak, uh, there were a lot of other anchors and protagonists who kind of made who you are. And in, I'm sure in the from childhood, it was parents, um, your siblings. Um, like I was saying, you offline. Uh, I often cross paths with your younger brother, who also happens to be a runner. Um, and uh, I think the most common anchors today are your two daughters and your wife, right? Um, 
and we started the conversation saying that uh, your daughters are also into running and uh, sure. I think the elder one is uh, pursuing to be a competitive runner. Um, do you think the fabric uh, for her to pursue running or for that matter any sport has stemmed from seeing uh, the dad or both the parents active or that was the primary reasons or it just, you know, she she went through her uh, kind of corridors and figured out that's what her calling was. Uh, that's okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah so, uh, I mean, I think it's a mix of a few things. In, in our case, it's just because we have been into it. Um, that's how I can look at it and justify it because I think many times uh, uh, what if I had been very active in cricket for example there's a high likelihood that uh, they would have picked up the bat and the ball first, first yeah. uh, so to to a large extent when it comes to our daughters uh, their inclination to uh, running uh, possibly has been because of the environment uh, that we have been and to sport also uh, because of that. But outside of this, there's also a huge world where you uh, suddenly put kids into activity or sport. They suddenly get the knack of it. Yeah. They suddenly pick up it because they are talented or they are interested. And that's how you get a different set of talent pool out there. Mm -hmm. So today what we are seeing is in our case or in my case, it's been what has been homegrown and nurtured. But there's also a lot of uh, others who are coming from a different pool set. Uh, so, so the reason why I wanted to ask this is because today morning I, I read a news piece which said that the rate of obesity amongst kids in India is at a very alarming level. It's almost to a level where it should probably be called as a national emergency, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and uh, often I found is that uh, kids are essentially the small mirror of the parent. Uh, they essentially do what they, mm. or the parents say, right? The kid, if the parents are on mobile, kids naturally will have an inclination on mobile. And I see that at my home very naturally, uh, right? So if I'm watching TV, my two-year-old will come and say, he also wants to watch TV, right? But if uh, I'm reading book, he would also want to go and grab his book and read. Now he knows that I'm a runner, he, he doesn't run obviously, but he kind of, kind of, shows those antics that he also wants to run and he does those exercises. And I somehow feel that's that's very important uh, for a foundational fit uh, society and country because uh, one way is that approach where you are not active and fit but you want your kid to be active and fit, that's not going to happen. That's like the age-old version where every parent wants their kid to be a doctor or an engineer. But if you have a foundation where uh, you are a healthy uh, and definition of healthy and fit could be subjective. Yeah. But if you're in a healthy household, uh, your kids and the future generation would quite naturally kind of pick on that uh, characteristics. No, that's true. Without, I mean, it goes without saying that if you are in that environment, there's a high likelihood that the kids will pick up the habits um, that they have. But I think there are a few things that is happening right now when I look at uh, parents, etc. First, uh, I think there is one set of parents uh, who uh, think they have missed out on sport uh, in their growing up years and who want or who encourage uh, their kids uh, to take up sport for whatever reason because they see it on TV or you know they see someone but I see a lot of people uh, 
putting in that time to wake up early in the morning at 5 and standing around and getting their kids uh, trained or whatever help them um, uh, play the only caveat there is uh, uh, a lot of times there's also a lot of pressure out there which i mean if we can take it out some way it's good uh, for the society uh, but then there is another set of uh, uh, parents and and i think population or pool uh, i mean you mentioned about people looking at mobiles etc but at the same time there is also a lot of pressure on academics uh, right now and unlike 20 20 25 years yeah. to get an get into an engineering or to get into one of those um, uh, professional streams i'm told people uh, kids have to start at the age of i mean 9 standard 10 standard yeah. where they get into integrated programs etc which which leaves no time for them to even practice sport yeah so uh, i think uh, as long as the parents are able to also have expectations in a in a in a, in a decent in a reasonably good way for their kids and what they think is an ideal output uh, growing up uh, one can balance both and i think uh, uh, when i when i when i when i when i talk to a lot of people probably the scandinavian countries have done well in this yeah. in fact even in sport uh, people uh, advise you against specialization um, too early at the age so uh, in india even if you are playing sport there's a lot of pressure on specialization because yeah. you want a certain output yeah. because you see a certain measured uh, as an outcome yeah certain certain sindhu who has won an olympic medal so you want somebody to be a badminton player to achieve a certain goal so you want them to specialize at the age of 12 or 13 which is a huge disservice to that kid or child yeah uh, so i think even sports has to be done in a certain way where they have to experiment with multiple sport and then they eventually will take up to something even if it's at the age of 16 to 18 they still have a a a decade or more to achieve things which is pretty okay in the current scope of uh, sports yeah uh, uh, do you have a superpower i don't no i don't uh, believe in superpower no superpower uh, i thought you would say the superpower is their fast dad and fast daughter so <laughs> you're putting together uh, uh, what is this one thing you feel if you could add to your routine could perhaps uh, uh you know uh, multiply your health quotient mm-hmm. uh to x whatever 10x 5x you want so one thing which you've been trying hard to inculcate but if you could it could just add on to your overall health quotient uh so um health is holistic the way i put it um so what again going back to skill and the aptitude and uh, Uh, affinity towards it uh, uh, if you look at uh, uh, my family i mean uh, my daughter my daughters um, they they also like a little bit of music art etc that's something that i have not inculcated maybe being in a all boys school throughout uh, being in a all boys family throughout uh, uh, sport took center stage and then academics uh, so i think uh, uh, the element of being having a little bit more affinity towards art music um, that side i think would make you more rounded more rounded than now uh, and at times i think having a little bit more uh, uh, expression of emotions yeah. uh, would make you more healthy I mean, these are the two things 
No, yeah, quite interesting because it's uh, you never. Uh, yeah, I mean because playing music for a lot of people uh, is meditative. It calms them down, and maybe art. Uh, and that could be a source. For some people, it's actually doing meditation uh, using an app. For some people, it could be doing that. Uh, that's very interesting. Uh, what is one thing uh, which you feel is annoying about USL, which you've been trying hard to get rid of it? You've not been able to yet. I think I find myself boring. <laughs> so <laughs> you are boring. <laughs> yeah, but I want. But you I, want I to want be interesting. I feel to be exciting and interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So are you boring to yourself? Or are you boring to others? I I think I find it I find myself uh, boring to I mean obviously I, mean, I know why I'm why I'm boring but I mean I'm, I I I do want to try and see if I can be more more interesting not, uh, more, more interesting <laughs> yeah I think that's a that's a that's a huge problem to uh, impress yourself that you are no more boring yeah, yeah if yeah. you could uh, crack that yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a big deal um, no this has been super fun Vijay uh, uh, I think one of the reasons why like I say I wanted to sit down together. have this conversation was to kind of unpack the other side uh, you're known uh, mostly for being uh, uh, of course very few people would know you are an ace marathoner in the running world but for large part you're known as a corporate executive as an entrepreneur running uh, one of india's largest nutrition brand fast and app but there's this unique identity of yours like i said being an ace uh, uh, studious uh, marathoner uh, who's trying to get better and my curiosity was to kind of unpack uh, and put it out there so that uh, uh, people could also relate that this all it's always useful to have one other side of yours to kind of uh, go parallel with your career your personal life and you seem to have done that very well for last many years so this has been super fun to unpack that um a lot of people uh, uh, you know i get feedback that people who listen and watch are also startup entrepreneurs uh, people who want to build out something uh, you're building out one of our finest brands um, if you had a wish list for someone to build out something let's say in the health and wellness category uh, which you've been always been locking to think that if we if someone could build that out uh, would you have some kind of wish list that one or two things you would love to see uh, in india in particular someone building it out in this category not not specific uh, dilip uh, that i would think but uh, amongst things that i i'm seeing uh, i think uh, there is a lot more technology now coming into health and i have actually worked in the pharmaceutical sector uh, uh, for a lot of years so i know the drug industry a little bit etc so i think for a for a lot of time uh, people have been get, trying to get technology into health and a lot of people have been uh, successful but i think we still uh, have not come out with a single brand or a product uh, which actually intertwines everything together in a well oiled successful manner uh that i would wish to see but it's probably some years or a few years away only but if somebody can uh, and i hope uh, the ecosystem and the even investment community is there to help yeah build it because today what one lacks is patience yeah uh, if somehow uh, that can happen then truly you will be having something which is built rather than having so many different plugins uh all which can potentially add up but uh, not having that complete piece which can add value to one's health or life 
Do you think some uh, just to kind of make it more um, uh, relatable? Any other brand which comes to your mind? Someone who might have done this in some other industry, which you could reflect in this space? I mean, in in a in a lot other uh, older spaces, uh, you have brands like if you take banking for example. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you have the big guy, big guys like the ICICIs of the of the, the HDFC or HSBCs who have been there, who probably give a well-rounded. Okay. solution if you have a consumer space you have the tatas you have the reliances you have done so i think uh, health and uh, added to that technology i understand it's still a space where people are yeah. still toying with ideas yeah. uh, but uh, uh, you still need to have a well oiled kind of thing for a case in point is you have hospitals trying to get into a little bit of technology but still yeah. the hospitals yeah right yeah uh, you have a lot of technology uh, 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 guys trying to see uh, fantastic ideas maybe trying to money, uh, uh, measure one part of uh, one side of things yeah. but finally it all gets into a back end which is yeah still very debatable or subjective yeah uh, so i still find uh, but it's more of an evolution phase right and eventually we'll get there yeah since you are runner i had to ask you this uh, if you wanted to go back to history and you got an opportunity to ask someone out uh perhaps someone non living who would that be you could go out for a run uh and where would you want to go for a run with that person uh, it's a difficult question to honestly but uh having seen running initially in the 80s and possibly in those track events uh i mean if i have to just live a dream if probably i could go back to say i mean i'm it's a little wishful thinking but maybe lining up for an olympics in those 80s with maybe a sebastian co or a steve cram because those were the people i initially um, saw as a kid uh, if i had an opportunity to do that uh, in a track uh, maybe a 1500 or whatever that would probably be a, a great time to you know relive wow that reminds me do you have a 1500 pr So uh, this is a very interesting thing. I have I I have not counted my PRs early in my uh, growing days, etc. Because there's no need to. Uh, so in the last uh, uh, seven years, I had an equation to do a fifteen hundred, uh, and it was four forty eight. Wow. Um, so I believe that I could have done better <laughs> when I was wow. early. Yeah. Uh, so uh, incidentally, that's something that I tease my daughter with. Uh, now that she's getting better and better, so I think that's something that she has to first beat. before she can go on and uh, improve further yeah so sharanya if uh, you're listening and watching uh, you have to beat uh, dad uh, and good luck for that uh, but this is super fun uh, vijay thank you for uh, taking time today um, uh, what's next in the marathon career uh, uh, what's the big uh, that x uh, goal or a bucket list you have in the near future you are chasing for So quickly, uh, Tokyo 2024 uh, is going to happen in March, which is a deferment from this year. Uh, I would still like to see if I can have the ability to complete uh, the uh, the list of world majors under three. Uh, the other broader goal is I'm 47. Um, I mean, 50 would be in 2025. Uh, so three, four years more of running uh, marathons and all the road races. Uh, at a proficiency uh, which translates translates into time um, at the same levels if not better uh, to what i have done in the last 5 7 years so that's yeah. the broad goal 
No, uh, all the best, Vijay. I know you haven't put uh, uh, any numbers, but I'm hoping that streak of uh, sub three continues uh, for all your world majors uh, and continues as long as you uh, uh, stay um, competitive and dialed into the sport of running. Uh, super fun to uh, sit down and have this conversation with you. Um, uh, I had a lot of learning uh, both uh, both from a, as a runner and otherwise, and that was the intent. Uh, and I am hoping people, you know, listening and watching could also have some cues. People will want to reach out to you uh, for any tips, inputs, or perhaps get some discount coupons for uh, FastNF. What's the best way for them to reach out to you? I think they can uh, probably tweet uh, directly to me, or uh, my number is not so difficult to get to if, 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 if they can directly message me either on my social media or my LinkedIn or my uh, Instagram page or whatever. So it's easy to get me. Perfect. So uh, Vijay, thank you. Uh, pleasure it was. And um, I hope to sit down again once all the world major streak <laughs> is done and kind of reminisce all the experiences of training and uh, uh, yeah, marathoning. Thank you, Dilip. Uh, I would like to say that uh, this has been an unscripted conversation. Uh, so I didn't not expect uh, the questions and the interaction to go uh, in a non uh, way. I mean, a way which I'm used to in the last five, six years. So I think I've, we have touched upon points which I have not done so much uh, in any conversation. So glad that we could go through it and all the best for your podcast as well. Yeah, thank you, uh, Vijay. I look forward to seeing you again. Thank you. Thank you.